How would you feel to be confined for a month after having a baby? Hello, and welcome back again to Easier with a Friend, where friends talk about interesting traditions that you may or may not have heard of. We are your hosts, Chi and Elaine. And today we have a very special guest who has been part of our circle of friends since high school. She's joining us to give us her personal experience with something called Sitting the Month. Yep, that's the current English translation, but in Chinese it's called Zuo Yuezi. It's basically a series of traditional foods and behaviors you're supposed to observe for the mother in the first month after childbirth. We've always found it to be a bit of a mm, debatable subject with our peers who either were born or mostly grew up in America and thought it would be fun to discuss today with our special guest. So without further ado, I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, everyone. I'm Audrey Wang. I'm a working mom with three kids, ages eight, three, and one. My husband, Tony, and I currently live in Southern California. We're both Chinese, so our families encouraged me to follow the sitting month tradition after each pregnancy. But I do have to say, it's one thing to hear about it and another to actually do it, or at least some of it. I'm actually a dermatologist, but not an expert in anything close to traditional Chinese medicine. So I'm not really offering professional advice by any means, but I am so thrilled to be here today to hang out with Chi and Elaine to chat about my experience with all this. Yeah, this is going to be so much fun. Getting right to it. What exactly is sitting the month? So we want to give you all a little background for those of you who might not know the tradition. Or sitting the month is traced back as early as the year 960. It's just basically a set of diet and lifestyle rules or restrictions that are practiced after birth to restore a woman's broken body. Obviously, I have no kids and our regular listeners know this. So mostly today, we're going to be asking Chi and Audrey about their experiences. But I just find the whole subject really fascinating because I think if you're of any of the cultures that actually practice this, you've seen a lot of it really growing up or heard family members who were women talking about it. And so I guess we'll start with Chi. Chi, what are your thoughts on this whole sitting the month tradition? And do Vietnamese people practice it? I know we've talked about this a little bit before. So I know it's something that you haven't done personally, Elaine, but if you ever do decide to have kids, you would be interested in practicing this. So I think this is a great conversation for anyone who might be expecting or just in preparation of going through that journey of becoming a mom. And I think it's a good discussion to have beforehand, just as a gathering of information so that you are aware of the options. One of my biggest pet peeves is when people say to a pregnant woman or someone who's just given birth that women have been doing this for thousands of years. And so you should be able to just pop one out and then get up and go back to work. (laughs) For me personally, giving birth is a medical event and you need time to recover. I use this analogy with Elaine, although it's totally not the same, but it's like, if you have gotten shot, who would tell you to go back to work soon? Because other (laughs) people have been shot before, right? In my culture, in the Vietnamese culture, we do practice this, although I haven't been able to find an official term. But when I was going through it, my mom told me I had to kiêng a lot of different things. Kiêng basically means to abstain from. You abstain from going outside. 
from walking too much, sitting in a squatting position ever again, according to her. (laughs) Then, of course, there are things that you have to eat. But yeah, I personally, though, did not do enough research, I have to admit. And therefore, I did not do the 30-day sitting when I had my first child. I went back to work after, I think, a week and a half. My husband also scheduled a out-of-town work trip. So I was literally alone (laughs) with a newborn. Now, when I had my second, I definitely gave myself the time to recover. Audrey, what was your experience like? So I was lucky enough to have a little bit more time off than she. I can't, I can't even imagine how you could do things <laughs> going back to work a week afterward. So with my three deliveries, I feel like the first 30 days afterward were pretty much a blur You can relate to the sleepless nights, the cluster feeding troubles with breastfeeding, all those sort of things that happen. So I completely agree that giving birth is definitely hard work. There's a reason why it's called labor. (laughs) We need time to recover, but there are different ways that people look at recovering. So I was encouraged to do it uh, because my families are uh, both from Chinese backgrounds, but actually both my mom and my mother-in-law, neither of them had personal experience doing this very traditional confinement sort of practice. So they basically did research on their own and we had books. <laughs> so lots of references. With my first delivery, we were actually in Northern California at that time. So both of our families were not nearby. So we actually did have a nanny who came to help us out. So we learned some of the techniques from her and we can go into more detail about what the specific foods are in just a moment. But at least, you know, my impression was that there's lots of soups that you have to drink uh, to recover. And there's so much soup. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I think previously it used to be more along the mothers or mother-in-laws that would provide this advice from their experiences and pass that down. So not as much involvement from the husband per se, but I think modern women these days want their husbands to be involved, which I think is a great thing. Nice. So you sort of did it with Avery, right? Who's your oldest. And then with the other two, did you just F it? I'm not doing this anymore. (laughs) So I think I was probably the most traditional with my second child. That was almost five years later. We actually had somebody prepare the meals and deliver it to my house almost on a daily basis, like six out of the seven days of the week. And I have picture evidence to show how much food (laughs) I was to be uh, ingesting every day, which was way too much, I think. But there's a theory behind all of this where when you give birth, there's a lot of blood loss and your blood is your part of your life force, apparently. So there's the yin, which is the cold and the yang, which is the hot. So you have to keep in balance. And the goal with using these different foods and herbal sort of supplements is to help rebalance your yin and yang. Although uh, there's some uh, debate in the medical literature about whether or not this is truly healthy. (laughs) So I think there's some pluses and minuses there. Gotcha. Well, I think there's several really interesting points that y'all brought up. But one of the things that I found during my research, so obviously, this particular interview is from three very East Asian kind of women's point of view. So our cultures do this, and we have very specific rules for doing this. But I actually found that across the Asian subcontinent, obviously, Chinese, Vietnamese, we've already discussed, but Koreans, Thailand, uh, the Indian subcontinent does a version of this for about 40 days. Iran does this for the same amount of time for about 40 days. Some Latin American countries and some African countries as well. And I think 
it's a practice that's out of practice in modern Western countries, but they had a version of it. It's called lying in after the baby is born. And a Canadian publication in 1932 actually referenced it and said that it ranged from two weeks to two months. Obviously, we won't know what all the different cultures did in terms of this confinement period, what they did for the mothers. But I think the main point is that everyone recognizes or used to recognize that this is a big event, like she said, and you need recovery time and you need help and you need to be nourished back to health, just like if you were in a major car accident or had gotten shot or something like that. (laughs) And I think that with the invention of our modern kind of work mentality where we're constantly just, hey, back to work tomorrow, hey, back to work tomorrow, that it's kind of been lost a little bit in sort of the Western culture. Yeah, so I think one of the things that I hear a lot from moms who have just given birth is this idea of when you were pregnant, your whole extended family are like, oh, take care of yourself. And then it feels as if as soon as you give birth, all that attention goes to your child, which is great. We all love the new baby. We all want the whole family to love and dote on the new baby, but you feel almost neglected. You don't feel as taken care of and given the space to to heal. And your needs and your priorities suddenly becomes very low compared to this newborn. But you are just as in need of care at that moment. And so just for the dads, partners out there, use this time, of course, to enjoy and bond with your new baby, but also use this time to help your partner, help them heal so that they can recover quickly and have a good experience. And I think that's why paternity leave is so important because they're really there to help support you, that new mom. So I'm assuming I know the answer to this question, but you sounds like you would recommend at least maybe setting aside some rest time, taking that time for yourself. Yeah, so for sure, we talk about postpartum depression, and I think exhaustion has a lot to do with adding to that, right? And so just giving yourself time to rest. With my second born, my husband did not schedule work, (laughs) I think, for two (laughs) weeks. He knew he was going to be home. And then I also gave myself a whole month off. The drastic difference between my recovery from the first time versus the second time, I got to really enjoy my baby. I spent a lot more time resting. My husband was home, so I had a little bit more time to nap. I know part of it is like, you can't wash your hair or you can't shower. I can't do that part. Okay. (laughs) It's just hard. I love my shower. And so I did do a lot of the, like just sitting and resting. My husband would bring me food and supply me with plenty of water and bring me the baby when the baby needed to be fed and, and just things like that. Mm-hmm. And Audrey, what about for you? Audrey, actually, before you answer my question, I thought it was really interesting because obviously we don't know how your mother and your mother-in-law feel about it, but it sounds like they did not do a sitting the month thing when they had their kids. However, they seemed really interested in you doing it. So I'm going to just infer that they would also recommend this practice, which is <laughs> why they had you do it when you had your kids. But would you recommend doing a sitting the month? I mean, heck, would you recommend some of the foods that they had you eat? 
So to tell you the truth, when I first heard about this sitting the month and all the restrictions, this is the really traditional practices. So for example, as she said, you wouldn't be able to take a shower or wash your hair, drink any cold liquids, have the AC blowing on you. You would have to wear clothing to basically keep you warm. So restore that yang part of your body that was lost with during childbirth. And then also not to go outside and limit visitors basically just lay there in bed, like almost like strict bed rest, essentially. You're not even supposed to climb stairs, which made it really difficult for my second and third because we have a two-story house. I heard a lot of those things and I was like, well, I think some of those are impossible with everyday life these days. I think in the past, maybe that was a little bit easier when you had a lot of also family support. And as she said, you know, somebody to help purchase the meals and meal plan and maybe do the laundry, clean the house. You wouldn't have to worry about all those things. So I do think that there are definitely benefits to some components of sitting the month, especially having the extra help. So as a a new mother, I think you do need to focus on your own body and healing. And you may not want to know all the gory details, but hemorrhoids are very painful. So (laughs) being able to sit down comfortably took a while for me after each delivery. And, you know, as she was mentioning too, the issue with postpartum depression, I think it's also relevant in this case because there were actually some medical studies looking uh, into sitting the month traditions and whether or not there were some downsides to it. So definitely postpartum depression was actually increased in some cases, and that may be partly related to the isolation, being confined to very small space, not being able to go outside or visit with anybody. So I do think that's a very relevant issue even these days too, even if you don't follow the sitting the month tradition, because postpartum depression is a real thing. So having follow-up with your medical providers after delivering is, is definitely important. And then otherwise, I think the, the foods that you eat are mostly protein-based, so very high protein to help with recovering muscle and you know getting the nutrition that you need. I do think that encouraging breastfeeding is also important, especially for the first six months when the babies aren't able to make their own antibodies to help protect from infection. So I think some of the foods that are encouraged, which includes things like pig's feet and peanut, sesame oil, all those things are supposed to help enhance milk production, could be beneficial for all these reasons. So yes, I I think I would recommend certain aspects uh, of sitting the month. Got it. Well, I definitely think based on what you have both said, let's just put this out of there. I've already told Nick that if we ever have children, he can expect me to do absolutely nothing for the first month. (laughs) So... Obviously, I have a great cultural tradition to lean on, but I ain't nobody's fool. I know how hard it is. I've had all of my friends who had kids. I'm not looking to exhaust myself to death after I've already had to push a watermelon out. (laughs) (laughs) I am not about that life. But I do think that when we touch on the rules, and I do want to dive into that a little bit more, because I've always found these sitting the month rules really fascinating that it's just like you said, Audrey, I'm not sure how some of them could possibly be observed in modern life, particularly the showering thing. But I do want to give a caveat to our listeners, because for those of you who this is a brand new concept and wonder what possibly could induce modern women to do something crazy sounding like this, at least for Chinese women a lot of the benefits that are impressed upon us is that, oh, if you do this, you will stay younger, longer. You will be less aches and pains when you get old, less prone to arthritis. I've heard all of these things personally, firsthand. I have heard 
stuff said like Asian don't raisin because we do the sitting the month tradition. <laughs> so I want to get into some of these rules. We'll start with Chi. Chi, which ones have you heard of? Because obviously I don't know if any of the Vietnamese traditions are different. So what are some of the rules that you've heard of regarding this whole sitting the month thing? Um, I think just the one I've already mentioned of not going outside of I think the AC thing, but back in the days, it used to be like, don't open your window because then you'll catch a bad wind. You know, <laughs> a lot of our cultures have bad wind involved in it. I'm sure it's related to now the AC situation and keeping yourself warm. That one, we we do that too. Nice. Okay. I just want to say to our listeners, if you're curious and considering this tradition, do it with some common sense. <laughs> probably what I would interject here. A lot of these traditions, I think, are really old. And like Audrey mentioned, some probably not conducive to your mental health. So I feel like things I would discard are the maybe the no visitors at all rule. And you might be a mom who doesn't want visitors. And that's totally fine. If you're an introvert like she, I don't know that she <laughs> would have wanted visitors in the first month. Well, I think just to add real quick to that isolation part, the wonderful thing now is because of technology, you don't have to have visitor come to your house to be able to talk to your friends. Well, that's true. Elaine, I can imagine after you have a baby, all the moms in our group can be on a group chat and be answering any question you have at any point of the day or night. You would have company. And I think that's the wonderful thing about friends and having friends who've gone through an experience like this and having them to help you. If your husband's annoying you doing that first two weeks, you can call someone who understands. Tony's going to be like, is Lane calling again? <laughs> That's like three times in the last five minutes. What else could have happened? <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, that's a, actually a really, really good point is that if you're going to be super traditional and not have anyone come visit, then we can do it via Zoom. And then there's also now workarounds. So it's just this so interesting that there's a whole business that has sprung up around this. So when my sister-in-law gave birth less than a year ago, she had my mom pick up what was considered sitting the month herbal packets in Taiwan. But you were supposed to be able to put them in the water, which made the water safe to bathe with. And I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> So there are whole businesses that all they do is cook these specialty sitting the month meals and then they can ship it to you. And then, of course, there's now centers where you can, instead of having someone come to the house, you can go and stay there and be taken care of and they'll take care of the baby, they'll feed you, they'll, they'll make you observe all the practices. Anyhow, is there anything that either of you would add? Did y'all feel like you observed a difference when you maybe did it? I mean, Chi, I think you kind of already conveyed the story of when you had the second one, you definitely had a better experience. But Audrey, would you say that, I don't know, the second time when you were far more traditional, ate all the traditional foods, was it a much different experience than any of the other two births? Well, I have to say, I think probably what helped most was having the extra help and not having to think about what am I going to be eating this meal. So it took at least one thing out of my to-do list. I think even the third time around when I had even more help because my, my mom was here, my mother-in-law was just pretty much down the street. 
So they would help out with a lot of other household sort of things and also take care of the two other kids. So I think the part about giving yourself time to heal and really learning to let go because I'm, I tend to be more of a very uh, hands-on person. So even like, oh, I got to do the dishes now, or I have to go do the laundry or clean up that mess over there. They just had to remind me basically, okay, well, this is your time to heal. So, so I think after I was eventually able to learn that sort of mentality and be comfortable and not feel guilty about having somebody else do this stuff for me, then I think it was a much more relaxing experience. And I do think that with my third baby, I think I had a lot more time to enjoy my kids, which I think is the the best part of it all. I have to agree with everything you just said. I think that's the best part is just letting yourself have that time to heal. And then the result would be that you have more enjoyment out of this process. Even if it's hard, it's still going to be more enjoyable than the alternative. As usual, that's the end of Easier with a Friend for today. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. If you've enjoyed hanging out with us, remember to take some time to catch up with a friend today. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any new episodes. Follow us on Instagram at Easier with a Friend, on our Facebook page, Easier with a Friend, or email us at easierwithafriend at gmail.com. 